welcome to this new series of podcasts that we are producing as Cornerstone Church. Um, we uh, have done various different podcast series in the past, which you can catch up on on our website or on our social media or YouTube channels. And um, we're, we're going to be doing something uh, a little different this time around. We've, we've just had the media fast. So first week of February, um, something we do every year is fast from media and feast on the Word of God. And we were looking all together as a church family at the Book of Romans, which was, uh, which was a terrific time. Um, and there were some great questions that arose from some of the discussions that we were having as we were fellowshipping together um, over, over this letter. And uh, we've decided to try to um, address some of these questions in, in, in a couple of podcasts. So um, in one sense, this is, uh, this is mainly, I suppose, for members of Cornerstone Church who were involved in that and have been asking these questions. But um, we're also very pleased if you're joining in from, from somewhere else and just listening in. And cornerstonechurchkingston.org, you can find lots of other things that we do and resources. So I'm Tom. Um, I'm one of the pastors at the church. I'm here with Ben and Pete. Hello, pastors at the church. And we're going to really be setting up camp in Romans 9 today and trying to um, deal with some questions that arose from... Well, most uh, of the questions are based around chapter 9. Chapter (laughs) 9. Do you want to read a couple of those, Yep, Ben, that we've had? Um, So uh, here's a question. Did God create people who never truly had a chance to be saved? Did God create people who never truly had a chance to be saved? Um, and that links with a with a question that's quite similar over here, which says, does someone still choose to accept or reject Jesus? Um, although we are elected, does someone still choose to accept or reject Jesus? So I suppose questions that are asking about God's sovereignty, about his uh, purposes of election, and about... Um, whether or not um, humans have the ability to choose uh, to be saved or not. Yeah, very good questions. I think when it comes to Romans 9, um, perhaps a good place to start is that um, although a lot of those questions relate to to us as individuals and what has God done for you and for me and for my neighbour, and it arrives at the level of individual, um, and that's you know, ultimately where, where we can get to. But it's worth taking a step back and trying to think about what Paul is doing in Romans 9 because he's speaking in much more kind of corporate, national terms, isn't he? So, um, you know, in, in a very simple uh, way, um, what, what he's trying to do here is at the end of Romans 8, he's been talking about the magnificent love of God that is ours in Christ and about how nothing can separate us from that. We're, um, you know, chosen by the Father, indwelt by the Spirit, saved by the Son. You know, God in his triune glory has saved us. And now at the beginning of chapter 9, he's, it's like he's thinking about his own people, Israel, and he loves them and he's desperate for them to come into the life and love of Christ. Mm. And he actually says, you know, that he would be willing to be cut off and accursed if it meant that his own brothers and sisters could come into the love of Christ, which mm. is an amazing evangelistic concern, isn't it? Um, and, and, and it sets yeah. the pattern, doesn't it, for for the chapter? Because people take this chapter uh, and, and take verses of this chapter out of that context. Yeah. 
So here is a man who is absolute, as you say, absolutely passionate uh, for the salvation of people, mm. and he's as you, as you say, he's willing to give him, you know, yeah, uh, take let me be a curse yeah. and then be saved. Yeah, and uh, and and that heart is what you've got to keep remembering. That's the beat mm. behind all that he's going to say. And then when you come into Romans chapter 10, sorry if I broke into your flow there, but this whole idea that, you know, we've got to preach the gospel clearly so people understand, Mm. uh, so that they may hear uh, uh, the message. People Mm. need to hear the message and they may call on the Lord to be saved. Mm. Mm. Uh, And uh, and, and that's the framework of this whole thing. Yeah, and he he feels like that as he looks at, the nation of Israel. And then he goes on to describe how privileged they are. You know, theirs is the divine glory, he mm. says. I mean, that's a that's a phrase. There is the adoption, the covenants, the receiving of the law. And he's saying that they're so privileged. They've mm. had so many blessings um, in their history, and yet they don't seem to be coming mm. to the very Messiah whom those scriptures were pointing to. What has gone wrong? And that's the question he's dealing with. Has the word of God failed? And then he begins to say, well, no, because it's actually never depended upon human effort and works or privileges. It's always found its root in the mercy and the compassion of God. Yep. So, that's, so ver- that's good news. Sorry, just that that's yeah. good news because what he's saying is, yeah, you know, therefore God is always going to have a people. If it depends yes. upon his compassion yeah. and his foreknowledge, not upon us, He's always going to have his people, even if that is now going to spread out gloriously and include people who weren't his people and nations that weren't his nations, Gentiles. Mm. So it's here to say election means success story for the gospel because it depends on God. Success on God's mercy. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that verse, verse 16, in some ways is a central verse in chapter 9. It does not, therefore, depend on man's um, desire or effort but on God's mercy. Yeah. It's all about God's mercy. It's sure he'll have a people. Uh, his mercy is mm. always uh, mm. uh, everlasting. Mm. So what? So someone's question was, um, does someone choose to accept or reject Jesus? Uh, on the basis of what we've just said, um, people re- people do have a choice and their, their choice is always to reject Jesus. Yes. So it's not down to um, human desire or effort. Why? Why is salvation not down to human desire or effort? Because our desire is away from Christ. Our effort is always away from Christ. And Paul rubs that in. He says, look at, look at the Israelites. They were a people who had the divine glory. They had the covenant. They had the law. They had the temple worship and the promises. They had all of that. And yet what did they choose? They chose to reject Christ. Yes. And so why would anyone, especially the Gentiles, be in a position to choose Christ? Mm. They have less reason to choose Christ. Yes. Mm. The people who had the most reason ever to choose God chose to reject him. Mm. Yeah. And that's why we need God's mercy. Yes. Um, God needs to intervene. But he's made that, hasn't he? That's why you've got to, again, take all of these in the context of the whole book of Romans. Mm. He's shown us that we're utterly sinful. He's shown us that we're dead in our sin. You can do nothing. You know, you're blinded, you're dead. Uh, uh, I think the problem is, underlying this sort of choice thing is, that we've got this idea, a couple of ideas, that 
basically humans are banging on the door of heaven saying let me in let yeah. me in i love you i love you let me in and god's yeah. saying no i haven't uh, i don't like you yes uh, I'm you're not, not on the invitation list i might let him in yes uh, eeny meeny miny mo yeah him yeah and that's, that's such a utter distortion you yeah. couldn't get more wrong yeah um, uh, none of us are banging on the door. Mm. We're all running to hell as fast as we can. Yep. We're all loving our sin. So it's not even that um, I'm I'm chained to sin, mm. and I and I'm sort of pulling on the chain, saying, "Let me free, let me free." Yep. The whole idea in the scriptures shows us that we're saying, "I don't love Christ. Yep. I don't like the light of the world." Uh, you know, we're like those uh, little creatures. That when you pick up a rock, you know the little bugs under the rock. If you pick, uh, if you go to my compost uh, bin, I'll open the top of the bin. There are millions of little bugs, you know, little cheese hogs, and all of those things. As soon as I take the the um, uh, cheese hog, cheese hog, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, 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 woodlouse. It's, it's one of the names for woodlouse. Oh, right. yeah. So woodlouse have loads of names: pill bugs, woodlouse, <laughs> cheese hogs. Um, oh, sorry, I'm just using what I was yeah, caught yeah. for it. But I lift up the the, the lid, lid, and suddenly the cheese hogs or whatever you want to call them are going, ah, light, get under, get in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Christ has come into the world, says John. Yeah, and we haven't said. There he is. It's yeah. just what I wanted. It's like, get out of my way. Kill him. Mm. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so the next wrong. question is, did God uh, design us like that? Why? You know, that's what well, some people ask. Fall. So yes. you've got to get the fall. And Paul's talk, talked about that yep. in Romans. Yep. In Romans chapter 6, you know, one man sins, we're all part of the sin, we fall. Yeah. Yep. I think just to, just to underline that, I think one of the things um, that we can get confused about when it comes to this, is this notion of free will. Um, and I think lots of us do believe that we are born into the world neutral in our relationship to God and that we do have the capacity to turn our own hearts back to him. Um, but that just cannot be made to fit with scripture. So if you look at even something like Ephesians 2, you know, we're born dead in our transgressions and sins, alive only to disobedience and to the spirit of the age, which is which is Satan. And so um, if by free will people mean um, our choices are important when it comes to God and how we respond to the gospel, well, we want to affirm that and say, yeah, our choices are important. We are accountable. We are responsible. But if people mean, yes, I'm actually born, you know, with the ability to change my own heart, love and choose God's ways and mm. free myself from the sin I've been born with, well, the answer is no. That's not. That's not how we're taught. We're, we're born dead in our transgressions and sins, and we need God to make the decisive difference in our lives. To step in, to illuminate our hearts and minds, fill us with His Spirit, lead us to His Son, justify us by faith, and all of that is a work of sovereign grace. Um, hmm. Now, the way He does that is not independent of our affections and will. So He doesn't just suddenly zap it upon you. His, his gracious saving works by realigning our thoughts and our loves towards him. So he works through our choices and our real decisions. Mm. But in the end, the reason for our salvation is in his sovereign grace because we're born in sin. Mm. You, know? um, you see that um, in verse, uh, was it 20, 29 of um, chapter, Romans chapter 9? Uh, it says, it, it is just as Isaiah said previously, 
unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Mm. Um, there's, there's, if God had left us to our own devices. Without mercy. Without yeah. mercy. Yeah. This is where you and I and all of us listening would be. Yeah, not calling for mercy even. Exactly. So, I mean, Paul in Ephesians, I mean, you know, I don't want to go out of Romans too much, but in a sense, this is a summary of what he's been saying in Romans. In Ephesians 2, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Dead, mm. yeah. Mm. In which you live when you follow the ways of this world, of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us uh, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But, Mm. and I think Romans 9 is a Mm. but, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ, mm. even though we were dead in transgressions and sin. Yeah. And by grace you have been saved. And I think Romans 9 is just emphasising that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I think that's right. So that, that's what he's, what he's dealing with there, isn't it? And, um, and yeah, I, I think, I think a, a, lot of our, a lot of our issues be, come because we don't, we don't really believe that about humanity. And as I say, we do believe that we can, we can turn ourselves, turn ourselves back, to, back to God by ourselves. But no, we need him to, to intervene and, and rescue us. Um, well, that's the modern yeah. gospel yeah. that we're under 24 hours a day, mm. is that, you know, believe in yourself, mm. rescue yourself, yeah. find yourself. It's all it's all mm. the mm. modern gospel, isn't it? That that uh, and God should be pleased with mm. you. Be mm. proud of yourself. He ought to be proud of you. Yeah. Um, and this right. yeah. the opposite. <laughs> and I think Bible. I think one of the things we have to do, and this is slightly changing tack a little bit, is w- with a lo- with a lot of um, big Bible truths like this, we have to um, hold things in contention, really, and and realize that there are lots of things that we that we simply. Um, just we'll never be able to fully get our heads around. And there is a time for us to say, look, you know, for thousands of years of church history, good, faithful people have Mm. been talking about this, disagreeing about it. Um, There is a time for us just to put our hands over our mouths and Mm. say, you are God and, you know, I'm not. But and yet there are there are things that we can know. So so we we know, don't we, as well, that although God um, predestines and elects his people to salvation before the world began, so in other words, nothing in us but all in him, that our choices and decisions with regard to the gospel still really matter. Mm. Um, and that's just how those two things go together in the Bible. So, you know, when Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, if words mean anything at all, then that is a free offer. You know, all who are in front of me mm. can come to me and find salvation rest uh, for their weary souls. That's a free offer that's made, presumably because people right there and then mm. have the capacity, you know, are able to respond, could come to him yeah. for that life. Um, and so on the last day, when we get to the judgment throne, yet no one will be able to say, ah, well, the only reason I'm not going with you is because you didn't allow me to choose you. Mm. The, the responsibility is at our doorstep. You know, we didn't do what we should have done with the knowledge that we had, and therefore our choices really matter. And so what we've got to get with this is the difference between holding truth's intention and contradictions. Mm. You know, if we were to say, you know, God knows and chooses those who are his, 
God doesn't know and doesn't choose, that would be a contradiction. Or if we were to say our choices really matter, mm. our choices don't matter at all, that's a contradiction. Mm. But to be able to say in some mysterious sense, God foreknows and chooses those, those who will belong to him apart from anything in them and before the foundation of the world, and yet our choices really matter and we are responsible for what we do, mm. we, can, we have to hold those two things t together. Mm. Um, and you were saying before we started recording that, that you know, what great confessions of faith do is they, they draw the boundary lines and they say, these things we know, but if we start breaking over the fence, well, we're going to be in the river or on the road and we're going to be in trouble. Let's mm. stay within the safety of what God has revealed to us. Yeah. And if we can't exactly go behind the curtain and work out how those two things gel in every area, mm. that's okay. You know, but what we mustn't do is compromise on either of those things that the Bible you know, yeah. explained to us. And Paul's doing um, that in this letter, isn't he? Because he, he goes up to a boundary line. He says, is God unjust? That's a boundary line yeah. that we know theologically about God. Is God unjust? No. no. Okay, so stop thinking that way. Yes. Stop trying to um, get a theology in your mind that thinks God is unjust because yeah. he's not. Um, and that's what we need to do when thinking about big, difficult things like this is draw these boundary lines, stand on what we know to be true. Um, and as Pete said many times about this passage, the, the key word, if you were doing a, a word search through this chapter, is mercy. Mm. And so another big boundary line in your thinking is mercy. So if, if, if you stray outside of that and you're thinking, come back, come back into uh, the, the, the God of the, of the Bible, who is a merciful God. Mm. 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 That's, that's definitely the big thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, another thing, so, sorry, I'm probably going on too much and we're, ju we're jumping around a bit here, but we, we, we're trying to, it, I mean, I think, I think some of the difficulty has arise from texts like verse 17, don't they, of Romans 9. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Um, and what is the power there? Well, it's, his, it's God's coming in judgment upon Pharaoh, isn't it? And so people look at that and say, so Pharaoh has been specifically raised up just as an object of destruction, just to say something about God in, in the world and his justice and his holiness. And I think that is the case, isn't it? So mm. what we're told here is that Pharaoh um, was raised up and in the judgment of the living God that fell upon Pharaoh, his holiness and glory and power was seen in the world. And then when you go through the Old Testament, the nations hear about this mm. and they say, we better not mess you know, with, have you heard what happened? Mm. We better not mess with that God because mm. Pharaoh was raised up to display God's holy justice to the world. And yet if we only take that text, we just arrive at the big bird's eye view and the end point of a process that involved Pharaoh's own accountability. Yeah. Um, so his heart. these things don't go together. The raising up of a person for judgment and Pharaoh's own accountability in that he had chance after chance after chance to respond to the prophetic word of God. And he would not listen. He kept hardening his own heart against the word of God. Um, and so it's not that God, you know, Pharaoh is born and God is suddenly just saying, well, I fancy no. someone to raise up for destruction. Who will it be? Eeny, yeah. meeny, miny, You know, that that little bold baby in Egypt, he'll do. Um, it, it's it's raised up within a process of his own hardening of his heart against yes. the word of God. That's and, right, and, isn't and, it? Yeah. And, and, and Pharaoh isn't any different to any of us. Yeah. So I think that you, that's why you need to go back to the story and read the story. Mm. So, uh, you know, God comes uh, to him through his prophet Moses 
speaks to him, no, I won't obey. Speaks to him, no, I won't mm. obey. Speaks to him, no, I won't obey. Speaks to him, no, I won't obey. Speaks to him, no, I won't obey. Mm. You know, ten times. And um, the whole idea is that we're from that same lump uh, of, of uh, you know, because he goes on and talks about the potter and the lump of clay. We're all from that same lump of clay. Mm. We're all with Pharaoh. We all say no to God's word. Mm. We all want to be our own king and our own Pharaoh and rule ourselves mm. and not have people worshipping the living God. So we're all under that judgment. And what God has done in that whole um, process is to show us just how rotten and hard mankind is uh, uh, uh even with the word of god coming mm. from someone like moses mm. you know it's not even like you know ben or pete or tom <laughs> this is moses the great moses coming with aaron um and um he's saying no and 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 uh and god is showing us this is what you are like mm. you great lump of clay mm. but i will have mercy mm. on whom i'll have mercy mm. I'll be the one that tells you that you need to put the blood on the doorpost. Mm. Uh, and will you listen to that? I'll be the one that mercifully saves some. Mm. And he, yeah, that's what he did. And, and Moses was a murderer. That's what we've been looking at in Seoul as we've gone through Exodus. Yeah. That Moses is, is from the same lump as Pharaoh because he killed and murdered uh, an Egyptian, didn't he? Mm. Um, before God uh, raised him up for good purposes. Um, So it's not like God made Moses uh, an exceptional piece of clay and God made um, Pharaoh a dodgy piece of clay, but they were both filthy, moldy, rotten bits of clay, as you just said. Uh, And then God will take Moses and what mercy to take that moldy bit of clay and to to form something out of it. Because we would never know how sinful Pharaoh was unless he went 10 times. Yeah. Mm. So if God intervened right at the beginning mm. and Pharaoh said, all right, off you go, yeah. you know, um, I'll submit to God, we would have said, well, why did, you know, why did, God, why did God kill Pharaoh? Then yeah, humans end? aren't that bad. Know, they're not that bad, but we just see how stubborn we are yeah. in our sin. Yeah. So God is revealing these things to us yeah. to show us then, wow, yeah. you know, the wow of being saved, Yes. isn't it? Ten things it took. Yeah. Yeah. So when Christ died on the cross for us, wow, Mm. it took the Son of God to die for me, Mm. to save me from my sin. That is mercy. Mm. Yeah. And it brings more glory to God, I think, this way as well. It's more glorious to God that uh, that he saved us and gave us eyes to see our sin isn't it mm. and so it's it's it is doubly wow it's wow he provided a way for me to be saved but wow he gave me eyes to see it and mm. wow he gave me a, a desire for it and wow he gave me mm. legs to walk towards it and mm. um mm. more praise to god uh as a result mm. and so this is what we're saying isn't it that that you know it, it's not that we're all born neutral um we are actually all born in a state of hostility against god and rather than giving us all what we deserve, hmm. he graciously chooses to to bring back and redeem a people for himself uh, in order to demonstrate his great compassion and mercy, but also in his sovereign will passes over others and gives them over to the full consequences of their sin without bringing them into that life in Christ. So that's, I think, the best way to put it. Rather than saying, 
that he's got all of humanity before him and he's saying eeny meeny miny mo heaven hell heaven hell the way it's communicated is mm. that we have all chosen hell in yeah. independence from god and he has graciously redeemed some and passed over others and left and them it's the lump of cake it's a potter illustration that is yeah. used here yeah. isn't it and but as to as to why sorry as to mm. why exactly and i think this is where you know the question really becomes difficult you know as to why um you know i would have been chosen to belong to christ and my neighbor at this stage has not been mm. or make it more personal you know brother mother father whoever mm. um there we th there is a secret counsel of god that we just don't know we don't know we know that it was not because he saw something in us which no. was better and more desirable no. yep. um so we know that and we know he's always just but we don't know as to the exact reasons um and you know i think there is a time with all and i think this is what paul is doing with that with that potter clay illustration he's very happy to kind of take us so far with this doctrine but then to say you know there is a time when we just need to put our hands over our mouths mm. and say who are you to speak back to that which formed you you know why did you make me like this you know and i think that that's the trouble with us and god isn't it we're always trying to close the gap between creature and creator you know we don't want a big god who humbles us with his greatness mm. we want one that we can smooth the edges off put in a box understand and in doing so, we become God over him, really, because we know all that he is and we've got him figured out. But actually, you know, God has got rough edges, mm. yeah, and he's big and he's bigger than us and he knows more than us and there are secret things that belong to him. And, you know, if 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 there is to be a God, surely it's going to be one who disturbs and contradicts us all mm. the time, mm. yeah? If he's going to be a real God. And so I think in the end, this is, this is good in the humbling effect it should have upon and, us. And that's his whole argument. He's saying that it's it's down to God's word, God's promise, children of the promise. That's the first half of it, isn't it? You know, he chooses uh, Isaac, uh, um, uh, Isaac over Ishmael. You know, Ishmael is not a child of the promise. Isaac was. It's all down to God. Yeah. It's not that Isaac is better than Ishmael. Mm. It's down to God's promise, his word. He says, I'll save you, mm. I'll save you. Uh, and then it's the same with um, uh, Jacob and Esau. You know, he doesn't go He doesn't go down the line of the firstborn. Mm. He goes down the line of uh, who he... It's all down to God's promise. He's chosen those people. Um, and and that's that's what's going on here, isn't it? Um, and then even that quote in verse fourteen, where it says, "I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion." If you go back and see where that is placed, and that's why you need to read mm. the scriptures, isn't it? That is placed with Moses, uh, God saying that to Moses when Moses has come down uh, uh, the um, the mountain with the with the um, commandments of god uh, uh and the children of israel are all worshiping false gods and doing horrifically ugly things mm. it's like the wedding day there's adultery going on on the wedding day these are supposed to be the people of god and they're committing adultery with other with other gods and moses breaks the commandments and god says i'll have mercy on whom i have mercy mm -hmm. well, it's amazing that's like your wedding day and your wife is committing adultery 
And you have every right to bring the whole law and say, uh, the law against them and say, how dare you? Mm. You get out of my life. Um, but God, in his kindness, I'll have mercy on some of these. Mm. Uh, it's extraordinary mm. mercy. Mm. And I, I suppose all of this as well, this is a letter written to a, a church, isn't it? And it's to teach them and admonish them and comfort them. Um, and so all of this is to is to warm their hearts in a way. Um, I mean, one of the questions we've got is, uh, how is this meant to make us feel? Mm. And the answer is comforted. It is meant to bring you comfort because look, you dead in your sins, you, <coughs> the adulterous woman on the wedding night, have been saved mm. by the merciful God who has chosen to, has chosen you. Um, and so though uh, this is, this is he, you know, he's touching on the secret counsel of God. These are things which we cannot get to the bottom of. Um, he is drawing up some some boundaries on the field of play mm. and saying, don't stray too far that way. Um, remember, he's merciful. So if in your thinking you end up with a God who's not merciful, who's yeah. not loving, who is unjust, you have you have strayed off the off the field of play. Mm. And or or even a God that where you say, well, we don't need to preach the gospel because he chooses. Yeah. And we don't need to do something. You're off That's the field of play. Yeah, it's yeah. not the That's God anymore. God. It is yeah. a false God. And, yeah. and um, cannot be proved or supported by any scriptural example i no. mean because you know i think it's fair to say that paul you know believed in predestination um and yet you know what does he do in romans 10 yeah he says the great need of this world is preachers you know yeah. how, how will they believe mm. if we don't send someone to preach to them so um you I know mean, spurgeon had a, a prayer it, yeah. which, which was lord you're the one who elects people, mm. elect more, elect mm. more. And mm. that was his prayer. Mm. Mm. And and he's not wrong on that. No, he's not, he's not wrong. That's verse one of chapter 10. Brothers yeah. and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to yeah. God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's praying for the nation of Israel. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And he it's because he elects both the means and the end. So he elects a people to salvation, but he yeah. also elects the means, the means by of which it. they're going to come. And that will be the prayer and preaching of yeah. Word. So, um, you know, you can't say, well, there's loads of people elected over there. We won't bother preaching mm. or praying for them because he's the means by which he will bring those elect ones is the prayerful commitment of his people to go and yeah. preach the gospel to them. And so, uh, and he hasn't uh, told us who he elects. It's not like we know that number no. 27 uh, is has got an yeah. E floating over the top. He would save us a lot of money <laughs> in flyers, wouldn't it? Yeah, because <laughs> we, we were just num number 27, ones. number yeah. 28, yeah. Uh, and 31. <laughs> And then we're just preach to them and not talk to anybody else. Yeah. Our job is to preach to the world. Spurgeon, put, again, he's so brilliant. He put, he's, it's like a door. Mm. You're, you're, you're one side of the door and over the door, uh, it's got come, you know, come to Christ. Mm. Come all ye who will be saved. You know, come. Yeah. And we're looking at the door and God in his mercy obviously affects us to say, I want, I, I need Christ. Mm. Yeah. That's the spirit of work working in us because we were dead in our sins we go through the door and you look back over the uh, uh, the top of the door when you're inside and it says the elect of god mm. chosen by god yeah mm. and that's what it is mm. isn't it mm. you know that's i think that's right yeah and i think i think there's a sense in which in the end or uh, um you know although we, we can all react to things like this because it is it is humbling i think there's a sense in which um, all Christians sort of do believe this. Um, At prayer they do. Yeah, because yeah. in his little introduction um, to, to a great book called um, 
evangelism and the sovereignty of God, J.I. Packer talks about that. And he makes the point that look, when you listen to Christians pray, whether they're Arminian or Calvinist, I know that we, you know, we don't have to think about those words too much, but you know, everybody will pray something like, Lord, I pray that you would help my neighbor to um, open respond their eyes. to Christ or, yeah. open, or please save them. And we're acknowledging there that mm. actually, if anything is going to change in that person's life, God, you've got to make the difference. You know, we we never pray. Um, we, you know, um, well, we wouldn't pray. We, thank, we would thank, never you, pray. thank you, Lord, that, that I was good enough to, yeah. to uh, yeah. listen to you. Thank you, Help Lord, that be I'm better than my yeah. brother yeah. Yeah. Uh, in my morality. Thank you, Lord, that... Um, Even if yeah. we say, please help them to come to their own right conclusions about you, we're yeah. still... God still is... We're still asking God to do that yeah. for them, to yeah. make them have the right conclusions. So we're acknowledging... If this person has got to change, there's got to be something outside of them yeah. that is going to graciously intervene to begin to change the direction of their lives in a Godward direction. Yeah. And that's, in some ways, all all this doctrine really is, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what were the questions? Have we sort of answered the question? Well, the, the last one was know. about Jacob and Esau. Yeah. Um, right Hated at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, right at the beginning, Tom t- said that this is in the context of nations. Um, yeah. And Jacob, obviously, is renamed Israel after he wrestles with God. And that's mm. what Israel means, one who wrestles with God. And then that becomes the nation of Israel. So there's definitely a nation thing going on here. But you wanted to talk about um, the word hated. Uh, well, I didn't want to talk about it. Oh, but, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you've, you've, you've got to be careful pushing that to its ultimate conclusion. I think it's a comparison yeah. thing. And I, I think most people would say that. It's not that God hates. Uh, he's not a sinner. He doesn't sin. He doesn't mm. hate. Um, but, you know, it's a bit, it's like, um, well, the illustration I'd give, if, if if there were twins, yeah, let's say you weren't married, Ben. Mm-hmm. The trouble is you are. Yeah. But um, let's say you weren't married and there's twins. There's Kerry and there's Camilla, yeah? <laughs> and they look at the same they smell the same. The hairdo's the same. They dress the same. They, um, you know, eat the same. They've yep. got the same humour. All the background, all of that. But you chose Kerry yeah. and not Camilla. Yeah. And you chose to marry her. You know. Um, you know. Uh, you you've chosen one, mm. and uh, in one sense, you've rejected the other. Yeah. Uh, and you could say, well, you love one and you hate the other, but you don't. You know, it's it's just that you've chosen one to love mm. and to cherish, and there's the sort of yeah. That's what's going on there. Yeah. Um, Jesus uses a similar tone of phrase, doesn't he? At one point, when he says, uh, "Anyone who does not love, uh, hate their mother or brother, is not fit to follow me." Yeah. Um, and that is obviously we're told to honor our mother and father and to love yeah. our brothers and sisters. And, yeah. Um, so it, it's a it, it's a turn of phrase. To Definitely, show yeah. if you know it's from the lesser to the a greater contrast. sort of thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Is that chapter nine? Um, I mean, I, I think so. I, I, you know, you can go and listen to all kinds of preachers on this, and 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 I would uh, recommend you do. But I did, I think, two or three sermons on Romans nine, whenever it was, four or five years ago, and uh, we go over this stuff. And why not go back and listen to them? Yeah, you can do that on our on our website, um, which, as I said, cornerstonechurchkingston.org. And um, 
uh, you know, do do put anything in the in the you know if you if you want perhaps a further clarification or or a question, then you can you can comment um, under the videos or um, or drop us an email or let us know in uh, in whatever way. And um, we're going to be doing a few more of these. We're going to be thinking about chapter eleven. Is that right? And thirteen. Chapter eleven and uh, yeah, chapter eleven and thirteen uh, in days weeks to come so do look out for those and uh, thank you for for tuning in today